This podcast, The Two Mats, is sponsored as ever by the New European Newspaper. And we've got a very special subscription offer for you, a new one, where you can get a free bollocks to Brexit passport cover. That's right, you heard that right, folks. It's a burgundy, like vegan leather, beautifully designed passport cover. Pleather. To, to have pleather, that's what, that's what they call it, isn't it? Pleather. To hide your um, new British blue. The shame of the, the blue shame, The shame passport. of the blue passport. And you can get your free bollocks to Brexit passport cover free with a subscription to the New European from just £1 a week. So to take this fantastic offer, and trust me, if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love the New European, go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S, and there's a link in the show notes. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name's Richard Porat. I'm joined by Jerry Scott. Hello. And Steve Anglesey. Hello. Today's a bit different, actually, because... Of two very exciting things. Go on. Well, Norman Lamb, Lib Dem MP, is joining us. Is joining us, and we've had a little chat with Jeremy Corbyn. Ooh. So we're going to play that. Corbyn. Yeah, him. <laughs> him. He's ruined the white stripes for me. He has. Um, so we'll be talking to him very uh, shortly as well. Yeah. Um, I then love we'll... the way you led with Norman Lamb over Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Rude. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That's rude to Norman. Yeah, well, he is, yeah, all right. Both of those interviews are excellent, I can assure you. Worth hanging around for Normans after Jeremy's. Um, <laughs> and then we will crown a Brexiteer of the Week. But first, should we have a listen to, to me versus Corbs? Yes. Absolutely. Is Labour's position on Brexit shifting? What we've said is that uh, we accept, accept the result of the referendum... We are leaving the European Union. We want to make sure there is tariff-free trade access to Europe. We can't be members of the single market because we won't be members of the European Union. What we want in the transition is exactly the same terms as now. And at the end of the transition, what we want to achieve is a tariff-free trade relationship with Europe, which is beneficial on both sides of the sea. And um, as equivalent... If we want to get the same sort of relationship we've got now, what's the point in leaving the decision is to leave the European Should Union. Should there be a second vote on that? Um, on, on, the, on when the deal is, when the deal arrives? I think the issue, uh, what we have achieved, is forcing the government to accept that Parliament will have a say, a meaningful vote on the final say. Now, I don't know what's going to come out of these negotiations. Our position is 
people voted to leave, they didn't vote to leave their jobs. So we're not going to go in the direction that a large number of Tory MPs want to go, which is deregulation, is lower wages, and is a sort of Donald Trump-style economy. No, what we want is an investment-led economy and um, the ability to trade with Europe. After all, 50% of all trade is with Europe. So is that soft Brexit? Well, if you want to use the words hard and soft, it's a Brexit that is meaningful in, in maintaining and extending and developing our manufacturing economy. Look, we have low investment, we have uh, underemployment, we have low wages, we have um, insecure employment in Britain. A Labour government would change a lot of things, one of which is investment. Investment in areas particularly like Yarmouth, which are needing industrial investment, but they also need a pay rise. Mm. It's one of the lowest paying areas of the whole country is this part of East Anglia. Mm. Um, the poll recently that said that uh, young people would, would desert you, big surprise you at the moment of course, if, if your um, stance on Brexit didn't change, didn't shift as a party, it, that must worry you a little bit. We represent a party that got 13 million votes in the general election. We got support from those who voted both remain and leave. Mm. A large proportion remain and leave. But we're not deserting either. We're representing everybody. And the message I'm giving is it's a jobs first, economy first, investment first. We're representing everybody. Listen, a Labour government investing in the future of all parts of the country, those communities that have seen nothing uh, from central government investment, those areas that got low wages. And a, a factor I picked up today, this very interesting discussion with the Unemployed Workers Centre here is, the number of youngsters in Yarmouth going on to college is very low. Yeah. The number those going to university is even lower. Those so those it's about investment. Areas, areas like, like this mm. one, by and large, are the ones that stand to lose out most from leaving the EU. In, indeed, that is the problem, that uh, if we leave without a trade agreement and we leave without a strategy for investing in the jobs of the future, then areas like Yarmouth suffer very greatly. We are not going to leave any communities behind. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, okay. Um, the, the message that you put out with regards to the Sun front page, which I'm not interested in, but the, the, uh, the video that you did at the beginning of the week, um, I think a lot of people in my profession were a little bit chilled by the a change is coming. Can you explain that? What do you mean? The change is coming in that we've got a, a government we're going to come into office which will do things very differently and that we would insist on there being a right of reply in newspapers and we would also insist that newspapers that hack into people's private lives, uh, Millie Dowler and so on, will have to face the consequences of what Leveson is proposing. We will develop Leveson too. Yeah. Now, it's not about freedom of the press. Freedom of the press is sacrosanct. Listen, well, we already have the, there's already laws in place. I mean, you could, are you going to sue the sun? I have um, issued legal, um, a legal letter against the Tory MP that um, yeah, but what said about things. The press? What about the press um, stuff? Because if it's not true, which I presume is what you're saying, then take them to court and sue It's them. absolutely untrue. Mm. And any respectable newspaper would be prepared to publish that retraction and say so. Yeah. so I'm not interested in closing down newspapers. I'm interested in newspapers reporting things accurately and truthfully. Okay. All right. Last one. This is our front page today. Okay. Suggests that time time's running out for you because um, because those young people are deserting you on Brexit. 
Um, I just wondered if you wanted to take it. Listen, thank you very much for the newspaper. All I'll say this is, Labour is the party that looks after everybody. Labour is the party that invests in young people for the future. Labour is the party that will provide university and college education and apprenticeships for the future. That's why so many young people are very confident that under Labour there will be a future for all of them. Brilliant. Thank you, Jeremy. So it appears he wants to have a Brexit for everyone, leave us and remainers. Do you think he's in dreamland, Steve? Yes, frankly. <laughs> um, none of the things that we've, we, we keep saying this, none of, the, none of the great things that Jeremy Corbyn is talking about, he, he won't be able to, he's not going to be able to do any of those things. No. If there, if, if there is a, uh, if there is Brexit along the terms that he outlines. Uh, and the and the the trade deal, the favourable trade deal that he seems to be talking about, is I mean he seems to be want, he he seems to want membership of the EU yeah. without paying the subs paying the subs. So yeah. it's not it isn't possible. I mean he did seem to suggest Jerry there that he that he was back in a soft Brexit. Yeah, yeah, but I just can't get excited about anything he's really saying mm. at the moment. Um, I think a lot of young people, like you were saying, are deserting him as we're you know saying in the European and uh, you know there are lots of people who as soon as they support the Labour Party they support Jeremy Corbyn as the whole but they can't fully commit to him because there, there is no clear Brexit policy still mm. or one that they can get on board with as soon as that was there they'd you know be right behind him but it's still not the case. Do you think if he came out and said he doesn't even have to go as far as to say no we're opposed to Brexit the mm. end if he just came out and said we now back the chance for the public to to have a, a vote on the deal. Yeah, or the opposite. He doesn't even have to say we, we... He doesn't have to go either way. He doesn't have to say we support Brexit, we oppose Brexit either way. It's just a, you know, we will have a vote and give you a second a, chance. A chance, yeah, yeah. And I think that would sway a lot of people rather than this constant on-the-fence situation. Steve, would that would that lead to, an, you know, a, a, a lead for Labour in the polls, do you think? Well, I think so? there's, yeah, I mean, I think there are any number of things he could say. He could promise another referendum, you know, in five or, or you know, at the end of his first term of office, yeah, say, yeah. while people have had a chance to digest Brexit and see what it's actually... Perhaps get that written into any deal. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so there are any number of ways that he can get out of out of this. I think that, look, nothing is going to change in the Labour Party's stance until we know what happens in the elections in May. I think in these local elections and in the national elections, some of the people who are currently saying they aren't going to vote Labour because of this will probably come back to Labour because they will have a desire to give Theresa May a bloody nose in, yeah, in May yeah, yeah. or maybe see her off totally yeah, in May, although yeah. I think it'd have to be completely catastrophic for that to happen, and then be to sit at the next general election, which might be in four and a half years, you know. Yeah, we might yeah. still have another four and a half years yeah. to wait for this. Yeah. Um, so, or, you know, just over four years. So eventually people will come back. Some people will vote Labour, no matter what they say now, because they are the best way to get rid of the Conservatives. And he, he, and he knows that. He, uh, um, he, he was offered a copy of the New European, as you heard there. He, yeah. he, 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 did, he sort of slung it behind him. <laughs> he wasn't that keen to take it. 
I said well, I met him in Great Yarmouth as you picked up there. Yeah. I, I, I um He's often there, isn't he? Well I just bumped into him. It was very strange. Yeah. I was just having a bag of chips. Outside spoons. <laughs> yeah, outside uh. spoons with the Dalek. Oh actually. yeah, the da- yeah. He struggled with his chips though. And um and there he was. No, he was doing a walkabout and He was at walkabout. He was at spoons. walkabout, yeah, yeah. He was at walkabout. He, okay. he was and he had he was putting on an Australian accent as well, but he was in there. He's working the bar. He had board shorts on. <laughs> he had the old <laughs> surfboard the behind the him. Yeah, yeah, drinking Castleman Forest. He's a changed man, isn't he? Well, I think he just like he's a man of the people. Yeah. Before beforehand, well when we were making up and stuff. There were some biscuits out, and he got a biscuit for everyone who's in the room. There was about seven or eight people. He's press people and whatnot, and me yeah. and um, and my colleague. And he said, "There you go, biscuits for the many, not the few." That's a good line, isn't it? Do you know what though? When I met him in Great Yarmouth, he did a similar thing and gave cakes out to everyone, really? including me. So you met him in Great Yarmouth. I met I him in Great Yarmouth that. as well. He loves yes. Yarmouth. He loves Yarmouth. He's always there, isn't he? It's chilly. Um, is he a bit of a feeder? Then we say, <laughs> is, is that what he does? Is this the dark side of Corbyn that the son of mist? That was interesting, though, wasn't it? It's that like he wouldn't Buffalo commit. Bill in the what? Silence of the Lambs. Why would <laughs> let's park that? Why wouldn't he commit to suing the Sun if it's not true? What's his problem? We've well. got legal redress for papers who gets the front. Yeah. So why didn't he do that? Well, yeah, yeah. That's the question, isn't it? Baffling. Yeah. Anyway, well, it was interesting. No community left behind is a good slogan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought that was, you know, I th- it was, was pretty much what like. I expected of, of Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah, uh, he, 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 you know, again, he's he, he comes across well in these situations. You know, it's he, difficult he's to know. It's difficult to know though if communities like Great Yarmouth will tag on to that kind of slogan. I grew up in Great Yarmouth, and you know, it's it's a very strange place uh, for voters. <laughs> I, can't say I can, that. I can. It is. I'm from there. It's a weird place for voters. They should all vote Labour, and they bloody don't. Maybe, um, maybe the. Uh... <laughs> Our listeners in Great Yarmouth would like some right to reply there, Jerry. I'm sure we've got loads of listeners in Great Yarmouth. Get in touch if you're from Great Yarmouth. Well, it's a fine town. I really like it, and um, it's a good visit. And Jeremy loves it. You're bound to bump into (laughs) it. God. And his cakes. <laughs> yeah, if, if you're hungry, go to Great Yarmouth. Look for a grey-haired man in Great Yarmouth. Ask for Jeremy. He was, in, he was good, to be fair, and that was yeah. that was a good interview. And he, you he's know. good. He's impressive. And, and he, during the walkabout, lots of people, as you'd expect, coming up selfies and things. He he is good with the public. He is good. He's just the thing is, he should be. This should be Labour should be absolutely panning the Tories mm-hmm. right now. And they're not really, are they? No. He he attracts a, a very certain type of voter, and he hasn't got he hasn't managed to get the crossover. Um, like, you know, I know he's talked about it a lot, but like Blair did. Hmm. Yeah. And he's ne- he won't. He never will. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, the government are checkers. Hmm. Or have been. Far cry from Great Yarmouth. Very different from Great Yarmouth. I was thinking actually today. Imagine if Jeremy Corbyn was to be prime minister. What would he do in checkers? Can you imagine him? <laughs> <laughs> him and McDonald. <laughs> what spray paint in the walls? Uh, and, uh, that would be great. It would be it? fantastic. He'd, um, mate, he'd turn it into a. He'd turn it into a women's centre or something <laughs> like that. He would, wouldn't he? Not that I'm decrying the women. No, women's right. centre. Oh, of course not. In fact, it's a good idea. It'd be a drop-in centre, wouldn't yeah, it? I think for local. There's enough room there. Turn it into low-cost housing, affordable housing. I'm yeah. not sure he's allowed. He'd be allowed to do that. Well, he'd do it though, wouldn't he? He'd, he'd find a way. Yeah, biscuits in every room. <laughs> <laughs> Theresa May said 
we're not leaving, checkers. You're not leaving until we've sorted this out, basically. Worst lock-in ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no fun at all. Has Even with all been, the old wine. Has there been... Um, do you think there will be a bit of a softening from Boris and Gove? Because I think that's what the European Research Group were worried about when they sent yes. that extraordinary letter at the beginning of the week with 62 mm-hmm. signatures on. Um, yes. So are we getting some kind of convergence, do you think, in, in the Cabinet? Or, or will they let her get there and then it'll just all blow up again? I mean, I don't think they're going to come out with some bold, unified vision on how it's all going to go, are they? Um, but... Well, we won't know until we get to negotiations. No, of course, but they're they're still not going to, you know, come out unified. Um, But there's got to be some kind of give, hasn't there? You can't spend the whole time there just butting heads together, you know, forevermore. I think there there does have to be some softening, yeah. But I mean, if if that going back to that um, European Research Group letter, yes, Mm -hmm. I mean that's that was proper headbanger Brexit stuff. Yes, I mean we shouldn't be surprised by that. But well, it was directly contradicting. I mean, in the there is a, now a there does appear to be some division, doesn't there? Because this, it directly contradicted stuff that David Davis was saying almost at the same time as that was plainly being mm. you know, the signatures mm. were, were were coming. But that down must to it. worry me because we already know there's some letters in with Graham Brady. Yeah, is that? Well, I've spoken to a few people who signed that letter who who were not quite as they they weren't saying we're going to write the letter if she doesn't do this. No. So I don't think all 62 would write a letter and would spark a leadership conf- uh, leadership challenge. But Theresa May must be worried by, by that letter. It must have made an almighty thud when it went through the letterbox on number 10. Well, it's a bit of a show of strength, isn't it? It is. It is, Jerry. Well, as you, can say, as, as you say, sorry, to, sorry, Jerry. Sorry? As, you, as you say, if she can, as Jerry was saying, if she can bring some of the, exploit some of the divisions, bring a few more people on side... Have a you know? <laughs> I was going to say have some concepts of collective cabinet responsibility. <laughs> that's that's actually how this is supposed to work, that isn't went it? Out the window um, a long time yeah. ago. Oh yeah, that yeah. They I all agreed to yeah collective cabinet responsibility. Remember it used that? to work really well. Yeah, it was a good idea, wasn't it? So if 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 that could be brought back, then um, then I think she she might be on a winner. And, and plainly, there are people, aren't there, who. You know, Boris Johnson is. We, you know, we were led to believe that Boris Johnson wants the stuff about immigration to be relaxed more because he's, he's, you know, he's, he's more of a fan and, and he's clashing with Theresa May on that. And mm. there's a, you know, talk about another division now between Gove and Boris, and maybe Gove has, has got more in common with Philip Hammond now. He's got a, a big important department again. So. You know, there's there's a lot to there's something to play for for Theresa May, but you know, might there might be something to difficult. play for. But the question is, is whether she's got enough kind of clout to, you know, win it and grab it. Mm. Um, yeah, mm. and I'm not 100 percent sure she has. No, no. But equally, is there really a desire from Boris and Gove? And I mean, there is from Rhys Mogg, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> but is there a desire from Boris and Gove to to for, with four and a half years to go to really do the hard work now. No. You know, while they're leading in so. the polls no. and, you know, they'll still be leading in the polls even if they get wiped out in London in May, as, as appears to be suggested. I, I, I don't think there is. I think there'll be a nice fudgy compromise out of this. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that is exactly what we will get. A nice fudgy compromise biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> shoved in your mouth by Jeremy Corbyn. That's good. 
Can we just talk for a minute about Theresa May's speech in Munich? Yeah. Where she told the... I mean, back in full hectoring the EU mode. Yeah. She told the EU that they had to share all the crime and terrorism data with the UK after Brexit because that was the honourable thing to do. And I'm just amazed that that is Theresa May who who in October 2013 made loads of speeches and issued Home Office advice saying that yeah. if the Scots voted to leave the UK, she would not be sharing any crime and terrorism data with them. Yeah. Oh, that would be the tables that would be morally the wrong thing to do. Yeah. Very I mean, strange, it's isn't just, it? Do they never, do they never think, remember saying something about this kind of thing before? What was that? It, they are shameless, aren't they? They really are. They yeah. really are. Okay, I'm going to speak to Norman Lamb next. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858 438840 and quoting Podcast One, or order online at our website, www.neweuropean.co.uk. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to the New European. Welcome back. I'm joined by Norman Lamb, the MP for North Norfolk and former health minister in the coalition. Yep. Norman, you've got a really interesting position on, on Brexit. Just quickly, before we get into this, just explain sort of where you're at and how you came to... Because you were a Remainer, of course, and you campaigned for Remain. Yeah, and I haven't changed my position. I, I'm absolutely convinced that uh, this was a mistake uh, to vote in the way... The country did, uh, and I think it was fuelled by uh, a fairly dishonest campaign. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I campaigned for Remain, uh, and if there was another referendum, I would vote uh, in the same way. Uh, But I also have a a sort of basic view in terms of democracy, that um, if you voted in Parliament to hold the referendum in the first place, which is what we did, you can't just pretend it hasn't happened. Uh, and I think if you if you actually played through that, the, the sort of consequences for the reaction in the country would be pretty bleak. Yeah. Um, so I think you have to accept uh, what happened. But then the critical issue is uh, what you then do to negotiate a deal. Uh, and I think the government is in a dreadful mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are obviously deep divisions within the cabinet and within the Conservative Parliamentary Party. You get that flavour when you talk to people in the Conservative Party. Uh, And I think in any negotiation, if you don't have a clearly articulated position on your side, then you're never going to negotiate a good deal uh, in any sphere uh, where you're negotiating. So would we be in a better position right now as a country if Theresa May hadn't held that general election that, that we can do so badly within you know in in parliament with the with uh, seats but also within our own party as well uh, i'm not sure we would no. be, because i think the, the divisions in the conservative party would still have been there yeah. and I, I remember matthew paris writing it's not so much uh, a government more of a hostage crisis <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. you know there is this sense that she's hostage to the right uh, and uh, certainly in in the 
position that she articulates, uh, as far as she articulates any position, it appears to be quite a hard Brexit, you mm-hmm. know, leaving the single market, leaving the customs union, uh, and uh, and having nothing to do with the uh, European Court, mm. uh, and uh, uh, clearly some plan to uh, restrict immigration significantly, but no detail at all. Now, if we go down that route, um, then I think it would be disastrous for the country mm. because we have to be very clear, the vote was to leave. Yeah. The vote was not for a hard Brexit. Yeah. And, and it can't. it simply cannot be interpreted in that way. The people voted for all sorts of different reasons. Uh, and I think the statesmanlike thing for Theresa May to have done, having assumed power, would have been to say, we have to bring the country together now. And that involves uh, accepting the anxieties and concerns of those who voted in another way and trying to do a deal which uh, uh, protects our economic interests, uh, protects jobs, protects our ability to fund our public services. And I don't think we're heading in that direction now. So what would be, um, what if, if you were around that negotiating table, if you were David Davis, what sort of deal would you be pushing for? So it's interesting, I've had a lot of discussions with Andrew Duff, who was a member of the European Parliament Uh uh, for the Lib Dems, was an arch federalist. uh, But he and I are in the same position in that we both feel you have to accept the outcome, but you can negotiate a deal which uh, protects vital economic interests and maintains a very close uh, relationship with the European Union. He talks about the Ukraine uh, association agreement. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think it's uh, absolutely necessary for us to remain in the customs union. Uh, Now, you can certainly, in a longer course, seek to negotiate a bespoke customs union between the UK and the EU, mm-hmm. but for the foreseeable future to protect uh, trade uh, and in particular to ensure that there are no added complications in Ireland, uh, I think it's a, a conditioned precedent for uh, the country's future that we are in the customs union and uh, and yet Theresa May is set against that. Yeah. And I don't know how she squares the circle. I simply don't understand that. On the single market... Uh, I think that's much more difficult uh-huh. because uh, if we were within the single market but outside the EU, we would be absolutely rule takers, not rule makers. Yeah. And uh, I've talked to a diplomat from the Norwegian embassy who talks about how difficult that is in Norway, that the Norwegian parliament has to simply take directive after directive yeah. and simply implement it into Norwegian law. Yeah. Now, is that a credible position for the UK, given the, the nature of the debate in this country? I don't see that that's a sustainable position. So I think you have to negotiate something that aligns us very closely with mm. the single market, mm. but is not formally within. Yeah. Um But I also, incidentally, just very quickly, also think that you then need to negotiate sensible, pragmatic deals to keep our membership of the European Medicines Agency, of Euratom, uh, of the successor to Horizon 2020. I'm chair of the Science and Technology Select Committee. We've got a Brexit and Science Summit coming up uh, very soon. And I think it's critically important that we uh, continue our collaboration across Europe on science funding and and also access to people. I don't think that many Leave voters, however 
um, anti-union it may have been were voting to get us to leave your atom and exactly. Erasmus and, these, and are, these, kind of these, these things should be wholly uncontroversial. Yeah. The reason they're problematic for this government is their obsession with escaping from any jurisdiction of the European Court. That is just stupid. You've got to have an arbiter uh, yeah. in international disputes. Yeah. So why on earth get so fixated about the European Court? I think there needs to be reform in the European Court. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, uh, my position is a bit unusual in the uh, Lib Dems, perhaps. I, I have fundamental criticisms of the way the European Union has developed. And my plea, in a way, is that there is new thinking, not just in the UK, but across the EU. I want progressives across Europe to start thinking about how we create a more dynamic, flexible Europe, which holds at bay the nationalist forces, which are so dangerous. I just don't see enough of that new thinking. And, you know, I think in time, a sort of an associate uh, position between the UK and the EU, which maintains all of the good things that we benefited from in the EU uh, and allows uh, that sort of flexibility across Europe for everyone to move at a different pace. Mm -hmm. Coalitions of the willing across uh, a more flexible uh, arrangement, I think, makes an awful lot of sense. It's interesting that you say you talk about reform in the EU. Um, I think there's lots of Remainers who would agree with you on that, that the EU is far from perfect. In in that case then do can we lay as much blame at the door of at the door of the EU for Brexit as we can on governments you know go, going back 40 years in this country uh, well I, I I understand why the vote went as it did yeah. I have to say I think one of the most significant factors incidentally is that um, this is a very divided country in terms of economic uh, well-being, the one of the richest regions, if not the richest region in the whole of Northern Europe, is London and the South East. Yeah. I don't think it's any uh, coincidence that that region voted uh, clearly to remain, uh, whereas most of the other regions in the country score quite high on the poorest regions in Northern Europe, mm. and they voted to leave. They haven't had the share of success that the South, London and the South East has had, mm. and so it's hardly any surprise that those people uh, feel that they don't really have a stake in uh uh, in in this formulation of international working. So, you know, uh, uh, and I think, you know, th- th- those people who have led the European project uh, need to recognise that they haven't taken the people of Europe with them. Uh, there have been, I think, fundamental uh, errors. The f- uh, creation of the euro currency, mm. um, the and along with that, what has happened to Greece and the treatment mm. of the Greek population mm. uh, has been disastrous. Mm. Um, and so, you know, for those people who believe in a united Europe, as I fundamentally do, mm. I think it's absolutely incumbent upon us to start thinking about how we sustain this yeah. rather than just saying no to any change. And that's where I think the Eurocrats fall down at the moment. Mm. And in their treatment of the UK... I think they made a fundamental mistake. What What's your thoughts on the way the Labour Party are dealing with this? Are they being the opposition the country deserves when it comes to Brexit? No, and I think I think they're just completely conflicted. Mm. Um, I understand the problem that they've got because there are very many uh, Labour constituencies around the country which voted very heavily to leave. 
uh, and yet the ma- clear majority of their membership is strongly for Remain. Mm. Uh, and and the leadership, um, quietly, uh, we know, uh, is at the very least Eurosceptic, mm. but almost certainly instinctively against the, uh, the, the, the European construct. Mm. Uh, so uh, how they get clarity... Uh, I just don't know. Uh, and, and I think they're falling down fatally at the moment. And I think in a way the most interesting thing is that there is a very clear majority in Parliament for a very soft Brexit, mm. for uh, all of the sort of elements that I've talked about, membership of the customs union, close alignment with the single market, a, a strong deal on security, membership of all of these bodies that give the country so much, um, not just economically, but culturally, uh, in terms of the science community, in terms of education. There's a very clear majority. And the only thing that is stopping that majority from having its voice is party boundaries Mm. and party discipline Mm. and the interesting question for me is when does that discipline break down Mm. and when do people across parliament recognize that actually we've got to act in the national interest and I think then vitally important that the public should then have their say on the final deal yeah and of course your party the democrats are the only party who, who are saying that um, we've got a lot of readers of the New European and a lot of listeners who have joined the Liberal Democrats on yep. the back of Brexit and who um, and who voted for them at the at the general election. Um, do you think in that case that you're the only party out there that's actually getting it right at the moment with regards to Brexit? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I think all parties are struggling with this but you, you've um, got a very clear line the liberal democrats we've got a clear we've got a clear line and we are the only party that has that um uh, labor has this fundamental uh, dividing line through the middle of it and i talked to very many labor mps who are deeply frustrated by their party their leadership's position mm. or lack of position the conservatives uh, are warring factions really on the right uh I think, in a way, the conditions are set for some disruptive force to uh, emerge in British politics, potentially out of a crisis that I don't think is too far off. You know, I don't see how Theresa May navigates her way through this. No. I really don't. I think it's, it's irre- She's got this far. Frankly. It is, and it, she's but she's got this far by not being clear. Yeah. By by continually putting off the difficult decisions but at some point they have to be made and at that point uh, does the fragile coalition within her party uh, fracture uh, and uh, and potentially split and I think that's the fascinating sort of political question at the moment. Yeah so um, a few predictions do you make predictions do you think we'll (laughs) get do you think the public will get that second vote or I think it's more likely now than it was um, six months ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is clearly growing support for it um, uh, in the the polls. What should it say on that? This is something we've discussed before on the pod. Sorry to interrupt, but what should it say on that ballot paper if it ever is printed? Should it be, we accept this deal or no to the whole thing? Or should it be go back and try again? Because it's going to be very difficult after yeah. the public have said no to a deal to then go back to the EU and start negotiations again. I think it has to be, do you accept this deal or do you want to stay? Yeah, uh, that, It's a clear choice. Um, people, as we keep saying, they voted to leave, but they didn't actually vote for a destination. Yeah. Uh, 
And I think that's the critical question that that and and it's vitally important that uh, the public should have their say on this, it, that it shouldn't be stitched up in Parliament. And I think where you've got a Parliament with no uh, government majority, where um, th- there are uh, extraordinary hurdles for the government to clear to get to uh, a final position, um, I just think it would be incredible for the country just to uh, accept whatever fudge emerges from that mm. without them having a say on it. Mm. Uh, I, mm. I think that's an extraordinary proposition, really. And do you think we'll have a another general election before we get to...? Uh, I think it's... Uh, on the face of it, I think it's unlikely because mm. uh, at the moment uh, you would only get a general election if Tories voted for it. Yeah. And I see no circumstances at all where they would want to to do that (laughs) Uh, the only possibility is if politics does fracture in some way and I really don't rule that out Mm. because you know uh, anything now is possible Uh, any any prediction about stability is 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 a very dangerous game and unlikely I think to be borne out so if there is a political crisis of some sort and if some new force emerges from that, which is possible, then you could see an early election. Short of that happening, I don't see uh, an election happening anytime soon. Yeah, good. We're still recovering from the last one, aren't we? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> On a personal basis, so I'm not hankering after another one. <laughs> no, me either. Norman, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. All the best. Pleasure. Thank you. Brexiteer of the Week. It's time for Brexiteer of the Week, Steve. Much to choose from, as usual. Yep. Shall we start with Malcolm Parker? Yes. He is a random tweeter, but he, he did he did, uh, he did leap out from Twitter at me uh, the other day. Uh, a lengthy, rambling tweet, uh, as tweets can be these days, but it did end with him saying, we want our sovereignty back from the unelected EU baccarats. <laughs> and... Yes, sir, I can Brexit, but I'll need a certain song. So um, thank you for that, Malcolm Parker. Um, Let's talk about UKIP for a minute then, because I see, have you seen, did you see, I know you went off to meet Jeremy Corbyn Mm. today, so did you see that Joe Marnie and Henry Bolton were on this morning? I didn't. And um, they they were on this morning. It didn't go well for Joe Marnie, let's let's be honest. What happened? Well... She sort of said she she sort of said I regret them things now, but she did say I think we need to talk about immigration and Henry Bolton had to. It didn't go well, but they're back together. They're oh, in, they're, thank they're the back Lord. together. Path of true love. Yes, that's right. Never does run smooth. It's beautiful, isn't that, it? Isn't it's it? a beautiful thing. It is. Um, so they're back together. They're very happy and. As my friend Michael Moran was saying the other day, maybe soon we'll hear the patter of tiny jackboots, which would be really, <laughs> which would be really nice. Now, they got rid of Henry Bolton for consorting with a woman who sent racist texts. Yeah, they got re- they rejected Anne Marie Waters for being, frankly, an anti-Muslim demagogue. Yeah, so it's they've they've gone safe, haven't they? They've played it safe this time. They are UK, one of the most liberal parties around. I think. With their interim leader Gerard Batten. Oh. Um, he is the man who says Islam is a death cult. He also believes that the Nazis drew up plans for the European Union in 1942. And the other night I was watching a, an amazing video with him and Alex Jones, the well-known Infowars uh, mm. fool, 
uh, in which he, he uh, Jared Button, explained how the 1975 referendum vote was orchestrated by the CIA. Mm. So good luck with him, Obviously, uh, yeah. you kippers. As the votes were being counted, the votes which which uh, put poor old Henry Bolton out of office, yeah. um, but back into the tender embrace of Joe Marnie, so oh. swings and roundabouts there. Mm. Um, Paul Oakden, who was the, uh, it was the party's interim chairman, um, he was being asked. Uh, he was being asked whether he viewed the that EGM yeah. as a success or not, <laughs> and he he said brilliantly at the EGM in the year two thousand, a party member died of cardiac arrest. We're probably half an hour from knowing the result, but at this point, every member is still with us, and on that basis, I consider today to be a success. That's the bar. Which is pretty good. Um, The other stuff that I really loved at the UKIP um, EGM was the... I really loved the delegate from Thanet... Um, who um, who stood up to defend Henry Bolton? Not a lot of Henry Bolton defenders, and um, he said, "I'm going to defend Henry Bolton. We all make mistakes, especially with wives. My second <laughs> wife was considerably younger than me, and she was a little bit feisty. Ooh. What happened was, I went with my second wife to a conservative function, and she decided to wear a see-through cat suit. Wow! The result was the tie was ostracised. Never heard it called that before. She was ostracised, and it took me a bit of time to get back to my position with the council. I suspect this is something like the situation that we have at the moment. Why did he let her? I don't know. He was ostracised. What was he expecting people to say if she went with see-through clothes on? Yeah, a see-through cat suit, a conservative... Um, anyway, Been dressed as a see-through cat. And the other thing from the uh, yeah, see-through that is really hard a costume to to get, isn't I it? Do, I wonder if she'd gone to the such lengths to get that she wanted to wear it. Yeah, and the other thing it, it's worth mentioning. The last thing that's worth mentioning about UKIP are these uh, this group of people who believe that poor old Henry Bolton is a actually a security services plant uh, rather than just uh, the vaguely incompetent um, UKIPper who can't keep it in his pants. Uh, There was a brilliant bloke um, holding a sign uh, at the conference that said Bolton must go MI6 plant to destroy UKIP Mm. Uh, and when Henry appeared on an LBC phone-in last week uh, one of the first callers said are you and your ghastly girlfriend a plant designed to damage UKIP Um, so all good news there because UKIP have never you know they've they they needed a plan, didn't they, to to oh, finish yeah. them off? They, yeah, because they've never had any trouble with leaders or anything. Like no, that that's right. No, MI six have, have, have it's have definitely been the end of UKIP. Um, should we talk about Janet Daly for a second? Yes. She Janet Daly is a veteran columnist. She writes in the um, Sunday Telegraph. For a little while, I was I was an avid buyer of the Sunday Telegraph because I really liked the couple, a couple of magazines that they had in it at the weekend. One of which has now gone, and the other Stella. one has, has changed. Stella's chess is the weekend, the twenty four seven, I believe it was called. Really good, um, which was a sort of a uh, arts review and uh, listings for the week. Stella is still there, but it's it's, it's not as good for me. But and I used welcome to, to the paper. Review. I used to quite enjoy the main paper as well, and then you got to. Janet Daly, and, and you might as well have opened up a, a huge box of weird frogs and streamers and devil masks. That's great. Just all this. Crazy every week. Anyway, this week, a 900-word rant, and it's all about how unpleasant you and me and people and you listening, all of us are being to Janet's fellow leavers. And 
I went, well, and she said, she'd never seen anything like it in all her years as journalist. Even as a journalist, I am shocked, she said. No examples of this nastiness mm. from those who voted to stay mentioned in the piece. However, Janet Daly did find time in the, her 900 words to call us, the Remainers, ruthless, frantic, zombies, and say that we were consumed by outrageous, visceral hatred, yeah. and her piece was... The rabid, vindictive rage of Remainers now borders on the pathological. So, Janet, have you ever thought that it might not be us? It might actually be you. But the Brexiteer of the week has got to be David Davis. He went to Vienna. What the f*** was all that about? It meant nothing to me, ah, as they said. Yeah, Vienna. He started rambling on about, oh, I love the, I, I love this country. It's all of this. I love Vienna. You know, I mean, what the f*** was all that about? And obviously, we were all waiting to see whether he would say the phrase. And about fifteen minutes into a really dull speech, which actually got duller, um, he said. He can confirm that Britain, after Brexit, will not be plunged into a Mad Max-style world borrowed from dystopian fiction. They should have put that on the bus. Yeah. Of course, in October 2016, he said there will be absolutely no downside to Brexit yeah, at yeah. all. Yeah, and now we we won't have to ride around on motorcycles fighting each other for water or whatever no. it is. We might not, but why he's really the Brexiteer of the week is uh, is is because of um, what his people who know him have been saying about him, and um, a, a fantastic piece on the Guardian, in the Guardian that was released on the uh, on the the day he made this speech. One former number ten official told the Guardian that David Davis is, I'm quoting, slightly more across the detail <laughs> than he appears. So not really at all then. Yeah. And he also, this bloke also said that, that rumours that David Davis enjoys a drink are true. <laughs> but then, don't, you know, hey, yeah, well, don't we too. all? Don't we all? And a senior colleague said that David Davis, quote, is not stupid, but he is quite idle. So, <laughs> swings and roundabouts again. Yeah. But thank goodness, David Davis, stupid, but not stupid, but quite idle, and slightly more across the detail than he appears has not got an important job. Quite. Uh, and he is the Brexiteer of the Week. What should the listener do right now? Well, I can write to Theresa May and say David Davis shouldn't be the DEXU secretary anymore. Yeah, that, I think they can do something um, I think they should, more useful. I think what they should do, is, if they've enjoyed this podcast, and frankly, who wouldn't, after Norman Lamb, yeah. Jeremy Corbyn, Jerry yeah. Scott, <laughs> Richard All the Porritt, big and also me, they should... They should give us a great review on iTunes. Give us all the stars. Tell your friends uh, and follow the New European on Twitter at the New European. You can join our Facebook uh, community. You can join our new readers of the New European Facebook group, and you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Sanglesey S A N G L E S E Y. And you can follow me at Porritt P O R R I T T. That was the New European Podcast, and what a podcast it was. If you haven't already, go out and buy the paper. It's in the shops now, it's £2.50. There's plenty of politics, there's plenty of Brexit, but there's also lots of arts and culture as well. We will be back next week. Until then, Mr Campbell, play your bagpipes. (laughs) 